Please turn to John chapter 10 for our reading this morning. Leo Tolstoy wrote this poem. When the church village slumbers and the long last songs are sung, when the gray mist arising is o'er the marshes hung, tis then the woods forsaking, their way cross country taking, nine howling wolves come hungering for food. When through the village lurking, naught gives them check or fright, no watchdog dares to bellow, the peasant ghastly white. His breath can scarce be taking, his limbs withhold from shaking, while prayers of terror freeze upon his lips. Nine howling wolves come hungering for food. In verse 12, we're introduced to the wolf. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The wolf snatches the sheep. He scatters the sheep. The picture is that you are being stalked. You are being hunted by the savage wolf. And the wolf has long been the primal image of the predator. The imperial realm chose as its animal symbol the wolf. Ancient poems included the wolf and the packs howling and the eyes snarling and fangs were dripping. We are familiar with stories of wolves, the call of the wild, or Red Riding Hood. Or there are games too. My grandson was playing a soccer game with his team this week and it was what time is it, Mr. Wolf? Do you remember the end of it? It's lunchtime. <laughs> the wolf is coming. Verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow them, him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. And what's being depicted in Jesus' teaching is that there is a competition occurring for your life and your soul. Jesus characterizes the competition here. Israel is a sheepfold. The sheepfold has a door or gate for the shepherd to enter, the legitimate shepherd. 
but there are others who desire the sheep. They can't use the door. The door is barred to them. So they climb into the sheepfold by another way. They are called thieves and robbers. They don't own the sheep. They want to steal the sheep if they can. Either the shepherd is going to take his sheep or the thieves and robbers will. So the question becomes, who will have the sheep? Who will have the sheep? And not only the sheep of Israel, verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Speaking of Gentile believers, one flock, one shepherd. And Jesus is drawing from Old Testament prophecies and imagery of false, the false shepherds of Israel. And God, who is the true shepherd, I will place over them one shepherd, God says in Ezekiel. And we are beset in our culture by thieves and robbers who want to steal the hearts of people away from God. I mean, the internet is full of them, isn't it? Twisting of scripture misuse of scripture, inserting their own opinions and their own philosophies and their own worldviews, or perhaps just to make us dissatisfied with our lives or complaining or critiquing and all sorts are after our souls and all sorts would claim you, would desire your allegiance to what they say is good, to what they say is right, to the, what they say how, how you should live. And they are all illegitimate. They can't even come in the door, the gate, because they have no right. They have no access. They have to break and enter to carry you off. Who will have the sheep? The legitimate shepherd who is the Messiah who has come or the illegitimate robbers and the thieves. He tells us there is a way to know. There are many sheep in the sheepfold, but it's the Lord's sheep who hear his voice, we are told. In verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. <laughs> they follow him. They hear the voice of the shepherd. Now, of course, we understand this is the truth of God, the word of God, the voice of Christ to us, the spirit of Christ. And the scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. It's not that we see the shepherd, it's that we hear him. We hear his voice in the word of God, the people of God. There is a love in the sheep of God for the word of God. There is a wondering when you open it, a marveling. There is a feeding there is a listening, there is a following, 
The seed is the word of God, and some hold it fast with a good and honest heart. This is the way, one way to tell which sheep are God's sheep is, and which sheep the robbers and thieves will carry off. His sheep love his voice, who listen for his voice, follow his voice, obey his voice. Remember the father said of the son, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And verse 6 says they didn't understand this. I mean, they had no spiritual insight, the people who were listening to Jesus' teaching. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, this metaphor, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. You see, not only is he the shepherd who enters through the proper gate, he is the legitimate Messiah. He now presents himself as the proper gate through which the sheep go in and out and find pasture. And so he says in verse 7, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is an exclusive claim Jesus is saying here. To go in and out of the door by him and him alone, the legitimate one. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is an exclusive claim that so irritates the culture in which we live, who want their own ways and who want uh, many ways, not that they would take any way themselves, but it frustrates the culture and it irritates them to no end to say there is only Christ who is the legitimate one and he is the one through whom we go and go out and come in and find pasture. He is the savior. You see, the competition continues for the sheep. Thieves and robbers have their goal to steal, to kill, to destroy life. The very life and the future of the sheep is at stake. And Jesus, we're told, offers salvation, an abundant life fullness of salvation but the wolf is coming the wolf is looking for vulnerability he is looking for weaknesses he is looking for strays verse 11 I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own, and my own know me. This is the third parable here. In, and Jesus presents himself as the good shepherd versus the hired hands. The hired hand will abandon the sheep. He doesn't really care about the sheep. They're not his. He'll let them be savaged by the wolf. He'll let them be torn and ripped and killed by the wolf. But not the good shepherd. The word good here means completely, absolutely unique. In a class all by himself. The shepherd in that class by himself is contrasted with the hired hand. And in the sheepfold, it can be hard for sheep to tell who is the hired hand and who is the shepherd in times of peace, in times of plenty, in times of security, in times of ease. But it's when the wolf comes, a very clarifying moment arrives. When the wolf comes, the hired hand will look after himself. And leaving the wolf to snatch, that is to spoil, to slaughter, and to scatter. Now Israel's leaders uh, who had profaned the way of the Lord who led the nation of Israel into disaster, saying, thus says the Lord, but the Lord had not spoken to them. They are characterized in the Old Testament as wolves. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives for dishonest gain. Her judges are wolves at evening, they leave nothing for the morning. And then in the New Testament, that imagery is picked up too. For example, Paul talks about beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He says, I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you to lead many astray. Many of you have had things stolen. Charlene and I, well, we once had our car gone through. Some things taken. We had a carport once where someone came during the night and cleaned out all my gas cans and a few other things. Once had a bike stolen. Picked clean. Thieves and robbers making off with things. And it leaves you feeling violated. It leaves you feeling that you're on shaky ground to discover how easy it is for what you have to be taken from you. I have seen what wolves leave behind. Have you ever seen what they leave behind? the carcasses and bones picked 
clean. Some deer that they pulled down and, and they've set on that deer and the other deer run this and that way across the ice and snow. And, What Jesus is saying is that you're being watched and your soul is coveted. Your soul is lusted after. Robbers and thieves want to steal you from your allegiance to God and from your fidelity to his son. And they'll break and enter and they will grab what they can if you let them. And they'll use their words. They'll use their fine arguments, their entertainments, their enticements. They'll offer many things. They'll offer perhaps friends or approval or status, power or authority, pleasure, valuables, idols. Or when you're weak and hurting and when you're vulnerable, they come in the night when you're not expecting them. When life gets rough and things don't turn out as you thought they would. In the days of your youth, you have a picture of how your life is going to be and it doesn't turn out that way. And, and many are vulnerable, bitter, frustrated and they want to lead you they want to own you and your minds and your behavior they want to teach you but they are hired hands and they're not the shepherd the legitimate one the good shepherd they are Wolves, and when the wolf comes to your door, are you ready? He is sniffing, scratching, pacing, drooling, looking for a way into your life, even today and tomorrow. He is relentless. They will even hunt you in packs. Will you fall prey? Are you following the wrong person? Will you abandon the Trinity? Will your bones be picked over? Your bones of unbelief? Will your faith falter, becoming food for the savage wolf? When the church village slumbers and the last songs are sung, when the gray mist arising is all the marshes hung, tis then the woods forsaking their way cross country taking nine Howling wolves come hungering for food. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? It's lunchtime.
But we need not live our lives in fear of the wolf because there is a shepherd. And he is the legitimate Messiah. He has the right of access into the sheepfold. And when he sounds his voice, when we hear his voice, his sheep know it and they respond to it and they gather to him and they gather around him and he will lead them in and out of green pastures. And he will feed us and he will protect us this shepherd offers security and life and fellowship. Even if it takes us into valleys of life that are hard, he is with us and does not forsake us. He named his own and his own know his name. He is Jesus Christ. He's the gate that provides passage for his sheep to salvation and life, to feed and to gather. He is the one who made the way. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And he died on the cross for your sins. And all who believe, he gives a new name and he saves and he will raise them up. He will not lose one the Father has given to him, not one. Because he is the good shepherd. And he walks in front of his flock. And he will not abandon us. And he will not leave us to some hireling. He will not leave us to thieves and robbers. He died for us. He, he sacrificed himself. And he knows us. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. His death and resurrection, you see. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Father, we feel in our minds and flesh the conflict of our culture and the competition for our life, for our devotion, for our worship. We feel it in the culture's relentless pressure to want us to think in certain ways, want us to approve of their sin and their degradation wanting us to turn away from the exclusivity of Christ Jesus, that he alone is the good shepherd. In all of their ways, it leads to death. Death. We thank you for Jesus. And Father, if there's some here this morning not safe in Christ, 
Grant them faith and repentance. Grant them a love for the voice of Jesus, a love for the word, a new, a, a, a renewed perhaps love for some here to get into your word and to listen and attend to what he has to say. And Father, together as your people here, uh, we are determined with your grace and help to declare that the Lord is my shepherd, that we shall not want. Amen.